listening to a message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to know more about Red or its ministries, please go to redchurch.org.au. Good to be with you again this week in the midst of a series which we have called Renew and Reform. The sense that many of us have had for some time is that God wants to have a move of renewal in the world, a great awakening for his church as his people realize their own weakness and depend on him. God comes and moves in sovereign power so often through the church's history. And that's what we greatly desire for the church at this time. But then that sense, that hope, that anticipation in many ways felt like it was interrupted by the global pandemic. Stopped. How does the church advance when we feel so constricted, when we're locked down, when we feel isolated? And we spoke about last week that sense that the Spirit is saying that, yes, there's a renewal, but also there is a reformation, a reforming, particularly that sense in the first reformation in the 1500s where God gave his word and put it back in the hands of the people. But this time where God wants to put his word to shape the hearts of his people. Where renewal is that bringing of holy fire, reform, reformation or reform is this sense of reforming our hearts to be carriers of that holy fire into the world. So in the midst of this pandemic, there is a preparation. And in this series, we really want to explore what does that look like in some various areas that God may want to speak into at this time, both personally, but also as a church. And how does God want to set up Red Church for the next season when we come back? How do we come back stronger as a church? Well, we live at a time of unprecedented information overload. Never before have people had so much information accessible and at their fingertips. Throughout history, many people had small amounts. Many people had never read a book throughout history. But now we are literally drowning in a sea of information, news stories, things grabbing for our hearts and our attention. And I believe that this has been one of the points which in a sense has been so destabilizing as the world transforms to a place where there's a lack of information and we're trying to educate ourselves to feeling like we're in an absolute torrent. And it's been really marked that one of the things as I've spoken to many pastors during the pandemic, as people have no longer been gathering and in a sense hearing the word of God in an embodied community in the way that we used to, is that multiple pastors have said to me that they've seen members of their congregation drift and disappear where the primary sort of teaching tool has gone from the preached word to YouTube. People go down various rabbit holes, all different kinds, from different political things to conspiracy theories to things which just grab their attention, alluring things of consumerism or distraction. And so don't underestimate that there is a contested battle for your attention. But behind that at this time, there's also the scriptures tell us we battle not against principalities, uh, not against human flesh, but also principalities and power. So there's a great war around information and stories in the world at this time. And I believe one of the ways that our hearts are going to be reformed is to prepare us that, in a sense, this is the way of the world going forward. 
I think that the terms that have become normative in the last period of fake news, deep fakes, disinformation, this is only going to increase as technology not only brings more information towards us, but in increasingly confusing ways, which have incredible potential to lead us astray into different areas and to feel like we're disconnected from ever finding out and understanding what the truth is. Mike Goheen, who has spoken at Red before, uh, says this, information overload leads to disorientation. I think many of us feel that. To apathy, which also many of us feel in that sense of just like, I just can't handle this anymore. I'm just switching off. Chronic boredom, because we're so, our our, our dopamine hits in our brain are almost just like burnt out because there's so many things vying for our attention. But I love this and decreasing wisdom. I'm going to read that one more time because I interrupted myself. Information overload leads to disorientation, apathy, chronic boredom, and decreasing wisdom. I think most of us, if we'd spoken about the information overload that we are in, would have perhaps named some of those first ones as felt. We do feel disorientated. We feel chronically overstimulated. There's a sense of just like passivity in the midst of all of this. But I think we need to really mark that last point from Mike Goheen, that what we're seeing in the world is a decreasing wisdom, more information than ever before, but less application of life's transforming wisdom, which shows us how to live. And what's really interesting that if you're seeing at this moment that there's a point, there's almost a threshold that we've passed as we've been filled with information. Just think about the pandemic. The pandemic comes and just so much information around the pandemic, different strategies, what different countries are doing. Everyone seemingly now is an amateur epidemiologist. And this sense that as the information gets to a point where it goes from at first it's sort of helpful then it's getting a bit much, and then there's this torrent that it starts to get rearranged in this really interesting way. The great media theorist, Marshall McLuhan, uh, who was a Christian, uh, talked about the fact, he predicted, this was writing in the 1960s, that at some point the information is going to be so prevalent in society, his quote was, that in order to process it, people return to what he called the mythic patterns. That almost when information would become so disorientating that people would begin to process it almost through a religious lens. And I believe that's one of the big changes that we've seen in a culture in the last few years. Go back 10 years and you did not see the way people are interacting with information at the moment. People were trying to stay informed. Most people were just getting along, expecting the world to continue to slide to some sort of forward utopia. But now there's this great polarization in the world. Stories are battling with each other. People are believing all kinds of different things. There's a religious intensity that we see now in the world. As almost what's happened is we look back to those religious forms of stories. Who's the good guys? Who's the bad guys? How do we understand where the world is going? And increasingly, what looked like a secular post-Christian world speaks with a kind of religious intensity about what's going on in the world. Stories are back. Also, we have this 
other thing that's operating at this moment of, individ- uh, of information overload. We have this increasing point where it seems like the idea of having a coherence culture, a society where we all, in a sense, can be on the same map. Yeah, there may be some differences, uh, but we're in a sense we have, we understand where the map begins and ends, that that's actually disappearing at the moment as people almost have now an individualism of truth. The West, the culture that we live in, in many ways began when people believed that you did not need to search the scriptures to find truth, that an individual through inquiry and their rational brain could arrive at what truth was. But we've now taken that almost to this extreme in our moments where everyone has this sense that if they can just chase down the right articles, if they can watch the right YouTube videos, if they can explore themselves, that we can get to some point of truth. And where that's taking us is that you've got a world where increasingly there's almost no coherent communal whole. What does the average Australian believe? Many, many different things. How do we exist in a world where increasingly it's a bunch of stories banging into each other? I've had the experience of bumping into people who have gone through an incredible intellectual journey just in the last little while um, who now find themselves in a very different place. You see people changing really quickly at this moment. And much of this is what we spoke about in a previous series at Red on Resilient Disciples. Bouncing off a book by Dave Kinnaman and Mark Matlock called Faith for Exiles. And what they were arguing in that book is we find ourselves in a situation that's analogous to what the people of God found themselves when they were taken from their homeland and taken to the great global power of the day, Babylon. And instead of being in one community where there was one story centered around the one true God, Yahweh, they found themselves in Babylon where there was other stories, there was competing narratives. How do you define yourself, I say your faith, when others around you don't believe what you believe? And one of the great lines that we used in that series, which Dave Kinnaman has said, is where we were moving to is now digital Babylon. You don't get taken to Babylon. Babylon comes into your house and it's in your phone. Or in a sense, the stories of Babylon which promised something else, an alternative gospel is always grabbing at you. And I thought about this, uh, you know, the other day as I thought about the effects of the pandemic. And I thought Dave was so on the money that what we've seen is that digital Babylon that was there and present before the pandemic as people's online information uh, consumption, the use of YouTube, the use of social media, the use of the internet has skyrocketed during the pandemic as we've been locked down, is that digital Babylon has been on hyperdrive. And that's the world that we're living in at the moment. There's also another analogy, I think, with what we see in the early church, where the apostle Paul is writing letters to the early church. And he's writing letters And it's dealing with all kinds of false teaching, other people who claim to have the inside track on really what God is saying. And so Paul's preaching the gospel, but he's also defending the gospel against false teachers who've been sent by the enemy to divide and and deceive the people of God. Now, at the moment, we're in this really 
unusual way of doing church that we've not done before. I'm speaking to you via this camera. Early in the pandemic, when we were sort of live streaming and we had some worship people, when we could do that um, just here at um, our offices, and there was a bit where we were watching a Terry Walling interview that I'd done with Terry Walling, but all the service was live and Terry Walling was being interviewed, but that bit was we'd recorded earlier and we were watching it uh, in the building as it was going up. And Chris Cameron, who was on keys that day, made this point. He said, it's almost like we're watching, like Terry's like an Apostle Paul sending a letter to us and it's going out to all these households. And we all remarked on how much it felt like the early church. Where you'd have Paul, sometimes even in prison, sending this letter out to people and then reading it in their homes. But also then you've got false teachers coming in. And I actually believe that's very similar to now. But it's not a false teacher rocking up. It's all these other stories that are going on in our midst, continually uh, clawing for our attention. And particularly if your faith, one of the foundations for your faith, has been the fact that you're part of this thing which you've just done through habit and the social cohesion of the people of God, that you've had that taken away from you. You're isolated. You're not seeing the people that you normally do physically. You're not in a church on Sunday underneath that biblical teaching. What that's done is created the possibility for so many other things to come in at this point in time. And so we live in a world that's a false teaching rich environment. We also live in a world where messages come to us in video form, in news stories which trigger that part of us, which we've been exploring. We've been talking about how the human being is a spirit which communes with God, a soul which is ego and desire and personality and our often will when it's not in alignment with God and then our body. And we are filled, uh, we live in an environment which is filled with soul-triggering stories which may make you angry about that thing that's happening in the news, that may reach out to that desire in you, which may implant a thought which is not of God to lead you astray. This is an unprecedented time, not just because of the pandemic, but the pressure that is actually on the individual believer at this time. And so what we spoke about last week, that at this particular moment, when there is so much danger, there is also incredible opportunity. And what God wants to do is a renewal while his Holy Spirit comes into the world and empowers us. But also what he wants to do is a reformation of our hearts. Now, the heart is linked to the mind. The heart is the inner part of our inner world. And so we need a renewal of the mind. Romans 12 verse 2 says this, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Our minds need to be renewed. So we need a renewal with the Holy Spirit empowers our minds, but we also need a reformation of wisdom. We've got enough information, but what's lacking, as the Mike Goheen quote told us, is wisdom. Wisdom is information that is God-breathed, 
which is applicable in the real world and which will lead you to human flourishing. Proverbs 4 verse 7 to 8 says this, and this is the importance of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. And I love this language. It speaks of lady wisdom, speaking of it as like a person. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. Central to the reformation that God wants to do at the moment is the giving of wisdom. We're drowning in information, but people are lost. People are lost of how to navigate their work life. People are lost. Almost the art of how do you socialize with people? The amount of social anxiety in the world is incredible because people have lost the wisdom of how do we interact with other people? How do we do that so our identity is actually secure in God? How do we navigate? How do we use money? How do we navigate how we view the future? How do we navigate relationships? All of these things flow from this sense of wisdom. And God still wants to give wisdom in the world. But the difference is information's coming at us like a fire hose. But wisdom we have to pursue. So we're in this moment where this theme that God continually has us on at the moment of understanding that the word of God comes to divide soul and spirit, that some of what we think is the Christian life is really a a, a mirage because the soul's actually leading. We think our spirit is communing with Christ and Christ is speaking with us, but actually our soul is in the league. Our ego, our personality, our wills, our desires is actually leading things. Sure, we have moments where maybe we feel things that seem to be actually assenting to our Christian belief, but we've got it in the wrong order. And I believe at this moment, what is happening is so many people are finding themselves going down difficult paths. I talked about last week of even sadly, so many leaders are not finishing well as they even find themselves deceived. But at this moment, there is this opportunity to divide soul and spirit and the word of God divides soul and spirit. And what we need now is in a sense to stop all the information that's coming at your soul, promising you things, throwing you off balance, creating emotional reactions in you, trying to offer you identity, trying to offer you another gospel that's not of Christ. And what we need to do at the moment is realize, where does wisdom come from? Where does the renewal of the mind come from? It comes when our spirit dwells with God. Jeremiah 17 Verse 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. That is so countercultural. The message we are told, the message of the West is follow your heart. Trust your gut. Rely on your instinct. With the right information, you can jump on Google, follow your instinct, and you'll arrive at some truth. Scripture straight up comes against that. And I love this last part. Who can understand it? Who can understand the human heart? You can't understand your human heart. You can't understand your soul. You can't understand where your soul and spirit is intertwined. But what can? God. The word of God comes 
to divide soul and spirit. I said what there, I meant who, because it's really important that this is a person. This is not just information, but this is the word of God is a person who comes to show us our hearts are deceitful. Who can understand it? God can. So four things, four things to lead us to come out the other side of this. A church whose minds have been renewed, who are filled with wisdom in a moment where wisdom is decreasing and there's an information overload filled with deception and false teaching. The first thing is recognize the true authority. Every story that comes at you from an ad for cars to a political ideology, sometimes even the flattery of friends, contains an element of authority. The ad presents itself as the authority on which car you should buy. Your friend may come offering flattering words, but actually there's an element where they want you to see to their authority of how they actually want to create the environment and actually perhaps even manipulate us sometimes through flattery. Their political ideology wants you to give your loyalty to that vision of how they believe the world should be made better. But we need to recognize the true authority. Renewal is the empowerment of the Spirit. And lots of people want that. Lots of people want the Holy Spirit to come and our services and our rooms and our meetings with God to be overfilled with the Holy Spirit moving in power. But less people want the reformation of the heart. Well, we don't just get the empowerment, but we live under the authority of the Spirit. So many want to be filled, so few want to follow. So many want to be filled up to the brim with the Spirit, so few actually want to empty themselves of their attempts at authority and being the boss of deciding what's true and what's not. Psalm 3, verse 5 to 6 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Recognize the true authority in the world comes from the word of God. Because at this moment, we have not been preaching and being in person like we normally are, but the word of God is still supreme, offering us revelation and direction. And just because we can't meet in a room and do that, there is an invitation to actually seek out God's truth, to submit to his authority, to realize our hearts are deceitful and he is the one true authority in the world and say, I want the empowerment, but I also want to submit and realize those things work in symbiosis. Secondly, great Terry Walling quote, you don't get to clarity alone. You don't get to clarity alone. All of the scriptures telling us to pursue wisdom. Those great chapters at the beginning of the book of Proverbs, where it's speaking to this young man figuratively to pursue almost this this relationship with Lady Wisdom using this metaphor of a relationship. All of that language is not to just one young man to pursue wisdom in the power of his own individualism. 
that this is actually spoken to the people of God, that actually we discover God's wisdom in community. The church is the community which discovers God's wisdom together, where we discern together, where we wrestle with scripture together, where we listen to the spirit, where we submit together and worship God, wanting his revelation to shape us. Wisdom is sought communally. Clarity is discovered as we journey together. You don't have to do this alone. There is wise counsel that we're encouraged to go to, which is not Google. It's actually saints and elders and people who are long in the truth in their pursuit of God's holiness, who know their scriptures. We're called to do this together and too many of us have been doing it alone. And just because we can't do it in a gathered way at the moment does not mean that the principle that the people of God pursue wisdom together stops. Thirdly, all stories and ideas must bow at the cross. What I've discovered is that there is wisdom in the world. There are things that come into the culture that you can learn from. I have learned from many authors who have helped my understanding of culture and where society is going. I read widely outside of Christian authors. But what I realized is there's an element where so often that ideologies and ideas, things that we see on the news, things that we see and hear from others can come and gain a a hold on our hearts. And the ways that I think about this is when you find something that you're seeing, perhaps it's your sense of how the world could be a better place. Perhaps it's who you're looking to, to help to understand the world. Whether it's an ideology, a political direction, a program for making the world better. Take that to the foot of the cross. Take it and almost lead it down. I don't know if you've ever been at the end of a service, and there's an altar call and you're there with your friend and your friend is like next to you and you invite them down the front and they're like, oh, I don't want to go. And they feel this compulsion to the Holy Spirit to go and you go down the front. This has happened to me a few times and you've gone with a friend and it's like the Holy Spirit almost annihilates them at the front where every shred of flesh and belief that they could do it in their own strength is just taken from them. And there's this moment where they encounter Jesus and all their sin is put down, all their pride and pretense is put down. And then they sort of get up and they're a snotty, a slobbering mess of tears. And Jesus has come in a new way as they place themselves at the foot of the cross. We need to do that with our ideas. There are so many programs in the world that promise to wake the world better. We can learn things from them, but first we must take them to the foot of the cross. See what aligns with the gospel. See what doesn't. Everything, every idea must be baptized at the foot of the cross. And last, one of the great beliefs of red is the holding together of word and spirit. That God's word is his revelation. God's word is the great story which we read, but also live. The testimony of God making himself known to humanity, which shows us the journey of God's love to his people and the coming of his son. We need to be biblical people. 
And there's a point I often realize where today it's so easy to let your consumption and reading and meditating and chewing on scripture be dwarfed by the other information that we ingest. Again, I'm not saying that we just shut off the world. But Bonhoeffer said we should read the newspaper with the Bible in our other hand. And then we have this journey which we go to together where together we learn to listen to the Holy Spirit who whispers as our spirit communes with God's Spirit, who has been poured out when Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father, here to empower us, whose presence is with us, to guide us, to quicken and empower us. We need to be a church of word and spirit. And so what if? As we emerge from the pandemic, as many people around the world seem to enter into this moment of collective madness, as the pressure of the pandemic, as information overload comes, what if the thing that God wants to do as he reforms us, that we emerge from this, reformed in being people of wisdom, people who are renewed with minds quickened by the Holy Spirit. So when we emerge from this and people are looking for answers and truth and wisdom and guidance, they can look and see their church there to offer them this path to true godly wisdom, a light in a dark moment. God wants to renew our minds and reform our hearts. Jesus, at this moment we pray, we know the world seems particularly, I'm just going to say it bonkers at the moment. The stuff I see on the news and it just like spins my head that this is happening in the world. There are so many competing stories. There's so many rabbit holes that we can go down in the news, in entertainment, in the world. In the midst of this Jesus, we know that you are the word, that you are the truth. Father, we want to follow you. So we just pray now. I want to pray in Jesus' name that your Holy Spirit comes now as people sit and watch and listen to your word. We just want to firstly just recognize that our hearts are deceitful. We want to confess the ways in which we've been guided by our hearts and not you. Jesus, we also just want to pray for any thoughts that may have entered into our souls, our hearts, our inner being, which actually are not of you, that have actually led to, not wisdom, but decreasing wisdom, to error. Maybe they're explanations of the world, maybe their scripts about us. Father, we just pray at this moment in Jesus' name against untruth and deception. Father, I just want to pray as your church has done right since the beginning when the competing voices of false teaching came. I want to pray in Jesus' name that you will bind those voices. Father, we know that the serpent's seductive voice is still in the world, encouraging believers to head off that straight path which leads to life. And I just want to pray in Jesus' name, if anyone is being tempted in their mind by their desires at this moment, 
who's been down some rabbit hole, some temptation, some desire which is not of you. We just actually pray in Jesus' name that Satan's voice be gone. And Father, we pray for your wisdom. We pray for a generation to rise in the world, in your church, in this city, from Red Church, from your church, filled with wisdom, filled with the discernment which holds together that renewing of the mind, that quickening of the Holy Spirit, the wisdom which can only come from you. And Father, may that lead us into flourishing, but also so that others may look at us and see us as interpreted men and women of Issachar who knew and understood the times and offered a sure footing to follow, which led to you in a moment of so many off-ramps and confusing, deceiving tales. So Jesus, reform us with your wisdom. Renew us with your mind, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.